Hey guys, welcome back to the Elevate HD podcast. This is episode seven. And today I am joined by a very special guest who is Ross Byrne. If you don't know who Ross Byrne is, he is an online physique coach and mentor. He is the head prep coach for Team Pro Coach, which is the newest and hottest uh, team of you know, prepping bodybuilders out there, which is very cool. Um, he's also a competitive bodybuilder himself, and he will be making his return to the stage this year after... How many years? A good few years. Uh, five years. Five years going from yeah. men's physique to probably bodybuilding. Um, yeah, boy, more, like, more like boys physique, but yeah. <laughs> boys physique. <laughs> yeah, boys physique. <laughs> so that will be very, very interesting to watch. I look forward to following that this year. He's also a very good friend of mine and my neighbor. Um, yeah, I, can, I can see it. Can so we can wave to each other <laughs> from outside the oh, window. <laughs> exactly. So, Ross, right. welcome. Yeah, appreciate having me on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So what we thought we would go through today is Ross is actually um, taking part in the Team Pro Coach No Switch Fitness Seminar, which is on the 20th of March, which is this Sunday as we are recording. Um, And his topic will be on the thyroid axis and the implications of this for physique athletes. I thought this would be a really interesting topic to go through. We might go into female specifics in a later point, in a later podcast, but maybe just do a general overview today might be very useful because I do have a male and female audience. So I want to include everyone, not exclude anyone. Um, so starting from the basics, like what is the thyroid axis? Okay, so the thyroid, in the simplest terms, the thyroid actually regulates our metabolism. It has a uh, kind of other functionalities across like fetal development as well. So like there actually are other thyroid hormones, but our T3 and T4 is actually T2 and all sorts of different hormones. They're reflective of other kind of functionalities, but it's, its function is to regulate something called thyrotropic feedback, which is essentially the regulation of our metabolism. And the biggest thing about the thyroid and the thing that we need to understand about it is how much external influence affects its ability to do its job. Um, so when it comes to physique athletes, you know, the same things that stress the thyroid out are the same things that stress it out for everyone else, but it's just the, it's the degree and it's the nature of that stress that changes how we ought to approach it from a standpoint of, are we going to use exogenous thyroid to drive a response? Are we going to use exogenous thyroid to fix the fact that you fucked it up in the first place? Or are we just going to understand what's going on from a blood lab perspective and then kind of run from there? So the thyroid is a, it, it's a, it's a, it's part of what's called the neuroendocrine system, which is essentially just a fancy word for saying like how the brain communicates hormones around the body. So when we look at it, we need to understand it to a degree because because it's a communication-based system. Essentially, one thing talks to another thing to tell another thing to do its thing, which seems super, super elementary. But when I kind of go into it a little bit more, you understand why I'm speaking that way. It's really, really important for us as coaches or even as athletes or just as human beings to understand that when we do pull labs, when we do experience symptoms of either hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism or maybe something a little bit more severe like Graves disease or Hashimoto's or something like that, that we understand what it is that we're looking for. And then as coaches or as professionals, to some extent, we know what the approach is then off the back of that, you know, because we need to understand, okay, this is going to be something that's heavily affected by stress. And, you know, one of the things that we as uh, physique athletes do is we just purposely stress ourselves out for 16 to 20 weeks a year because it's fun. Yeah, because it's really fun, you know, and when it comes to the thyroid axis, I always use, there's an overarching message that I use for the thyroid axis, and it's going to, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, um, and what I mean by that is that if you use exogenous thyroid, you're going to downregulate thyroidal output. If you don't use thyroid, you're going to downregulate thyroidal output. So it's understanding, okay, what is the approach, and what is the understanding that I need in my individual situation, or what do I need for my individual athlete in their situation, and how do I relate that back? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of 
kind of taboo around the subject of providing exogenous thyroid help um because it's almost like a badge of honor to say oh you know I do everything naturally and my I supplement my thyroid and I do all these things but like sometimes it's necessary not even from a health perspective but maybe like a phase specific perspective as well like if you're in the middle of a dieting phase or you have a stage to aim for you have a show coming up like you might not have that time at that moment to devote to naturally repairing your thyroid so it might be a good idea at that position to provide some exogenous help until the time is right to devote that time exactly exactly thyroid hormones can be it's it's, it's similar to you know for so for example anyone who's involved in the physique space or in the you know the the prep space at all will understand what trt is and when you hear that term you're like testosterone and everyone's like cool no problem i'll do that you know and then somebody mentions hrt for the thyroid and they're like no no way you know, no can do and nobody can really tell you why um because you know in large part there is just this idea of the thyroid and exogenous thyroid being really dangerous or you know being just like, like really really poor form you don't want to be using thyroid long term like i said it's a taboo subject but it, it, in large part like you know all over thyroidal therapy or pardon me, all over hormonal therapy in general if you were to just literally replace all of the hormones in your body at legitimate replacement doses you wouldn't actually be doing any harm and the, this this is the basis of exogenous thyroidal deployment. You deploy what you need based on what you're trying to achieve from that outcome. If you've got somebody who needs maybe some thyroidal monotherapy, which is normally going to be kind of referred to as the, the deployment of T4, um, just alone in order to kind of regulate the transfer then of T4 to T3. That's normally where we look at it. But like we also need to understand that there's other implications and other situations where maybe we can be like, okay, we know that this regulates our metabolism. Maybe let's use a little bit more than what we normally need. And that's the that, that's the kind of that's the basis of understanding how we deploy these things. But in order to accurately deploy them and to deploy them with the right context and you know to deploy them kind of like functionally, like legitimately, you need to understand how they work and you need to understand at least or, or at least be working with somebody who understands how they work. Because like that's going to be the only way that you're going to be able to either like sustain it without causing any damage, or at least to kind of navigate away from it while you are causing the damage, you know, that kind of way, because there, there's, there's no there's no two ways about it. Using thyroid long-term, like at super physiological dosages, is really, really bad for you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, having low thyroid at less than super physiological dosages, like in the lower end of hypothyroidism, is also just as bad for you, if not worse. So, you know, we need to understand what do we need to do at any point in time. So long-term dieting and long-term low energy availability is one of the leading causes of long-term hypothyroidism. So we both know of people who have spent a long time in and out of diets, naturally, you know, assisted, whatever way you want to do it, who now find themselves in a position where their thyroid just isn't going to regulate the cells the same way that it used to. And even if it is, it's going to take a fuck long time to get it done. So what we can do in that situation is we can deploy something like thyroidal monotherapy and we say, okay, cool, let's rather than go through the absolute hellhole that is having low thyroid. So low thyroid isn't just, oh, I'm going to get fat. It's depression. It's low energy. It's lethargy. It's poor sleep. People do not realize how many elements of your everyday physiology are reflective of thyroid. Um, and the things that are going to be indicative of having low thyroid are, they're just not, and it's not an enjoyable experience. I'm sure a lot of people on this call, they always use this as an example. A lot of people on this call have probably prepped before. And they've probably gone through post-show blues and the post-show rebound. So 
what we're going through when we don't understand them, it's a really cool thing to understand about thyroid hormones is that thyroid hormones are really, really closely linked to depression, anxieties, and obviously on the other side of that, any kind of dopaminergic response. So when we're going through that period of post-show, and let's say you've had either a coach who's maybe a little bit less informed or potentially you are prepping yourself or maybe you're just none the wiser and you think to yourself, as soon as I finish this show, I cut out T3 and T4 in their entirety and I cut out all my lipolytic drugs. What you're going to end up going through then is you're going to go through a period of a rapid, rapid weight gain, which as far as you're concerned, you can't understand why it's happening because maybe you're controlling your diet on the other side. And at the same time, you're going to go through a pretty significant bout of poor mood and low mood because the receptors for thyroid hormones are also in your brain. They're also located in the hypothalamus and we know about that based off the mechanism of action that we go through. And these are all really, really closely linked to, you know, that post-show period where you just feel like a bag of shit. So like what I'm trying to say in my overarching message of this kind of spiel is that understanding this is not just relative to fat loss. It's relative to your overall overarching health as an athlete. And, you know, one of the, one of the kind of, I don't want to call it a rule of thumb because it's not something I always do. One of the things I'll often speak about my assisted athletes with who are willing to go down that route or who want to go down that route is that, you know, once you go through a prep, you know, and once you go through this really, really heavy extensive bout of low energy availability and, you know, low body fat, you're probably going to want to consider long-term monotherapy as soon as you've done that, or just kind of bite the bullet and say, I'm going to get to that point anyway. Let's just lean into the use of monotherapy now. And you can grow it in early. Like, and I've, I've watched it save people. If I'm honest with you, I've watched it make massive, massive differences. I just, I'm not going to name names because some of them have other coaches and some of them have other people that are aligned with, and they've come to me specifically for help around kind of post-show. And, you know, they, they felt hopeless. And I said, okay, cool, let's try this. And in large part, what I asked them to do is leaning towards thyroid monotherapy and their whole life changes within a couple of weeks because they don't realize that that like that thing that's missing and that thing that's wrong is actually a physiological entity like it's a, it's a thing that's not there it's a thing that's not operating the same way it is because like, the, like i said the thyroid is it, it's so closely affected by so much of the things that go on in our every day and as physique athletes when we're in that arse end of prep all of the things that negatively impact thyroidal output are getting this shit kicked out of them low immunity low energy availability you know and it's chronic low energy availability because what we need to understand about any any neuroendocrine system is that it's it's very much linked to your external environment and stress. So the best way to understand hormones in terms of their actions and the whys behind their actions is to think back to Neanderthalic periods of time. So when you're at when you're when we were cavemen, so it's like what we don't understand or what a lot of people don't think about is we're not really all that far divorced away from when we were cavemen. We're not really like as far as like the actual the bodies that we permit ourselves in. We're not that far away. We've just had an absolutely incredible amount of technological advancement in the past kind of two, 300 years beyond anything we've ever seen before in the, the history of kind of human genealogy development. So what's happened is our technology has advanced, but our bodies and the kind of the physiological responses that we permit ourselves with, they haven't really changed all that much. So when we think back to, okay, what would cause the thyroid to shut down for a caveman? You know, so you're sitting in a cave, ice age outside, you know, saber-toothed tigers, woolly mammoths all over the gaff. You know, you're going to be sitting in that cave. You're not going to have the same level of energy available. Your body's going to think, how the fuck am I supposed to stay alive? It downregulates your metabolism. Mm -hmm. So it regulates that thyroid output down and it brings it down to a place where it's not moving as quickly or it's not moving as efficiently. Whatever word you want to use doesn't really matter. It doesn't work the same because it's trying to keep the body fat on your frame, on your frame. But as far as we're concerned, we're in a sparkly bikini. And the day after in the sparkly bikini, we realize, oh, wait, we actually have all the food on earth available to us. And that's when things go wrong, because 
your metabolism and your overall toroidal output has been shut down, has been moved down south. And then all of a sudden you give all the food it could possibly need to a metabolism that's just not prepared for it and you blow up like a balloon. And unfortunately what ends up happening then is, you know, the combination of the thyroid's effect on low mood and then the combination of kind of gaining weight at a rapid rate and its effect on low mood. And then that awful, awful binge restrict cycle that often comes about respect. And again, it's not for me to be kind of, you know, speaking genders. It's very, very particularly, it's, it's quite common in females particularly. Um, I think males have a little bit more of a kind of exogenous input available to them across kind of different facets so they don't go through it as much. But like, it's, it's a really, really difficult thing to go through, which it sounds terrible, has a potentially really simple solution if people would just kind of learn a little bit more about it um, or kind of open up the idea of, oh, these things not being things that we need to use in the acute. Like using a hormone and then using super physiological doses of a hormone are two very, very different things. You know, these hormones weren't invented to get you jacked or to get you shredded. They weren't put on this earth so that you can go and use them and, you know, go in a PCA show. That's not really what it was there, there for. They were there for a medical rationale and a medical deployment. And sometimes us as physique athletes, based off the way that we decide to live our lives, which is the way that we decide to, whether they like it or not, puts us in a position where any other medical environment, we're going to be given the drug that we need. You know, you end up finding yourself in a position of hypothyroidism. You know, male bodybuilders who eat shit loads of food and, you know, who push themselves and their body weights to really, really high extremes, they essentially give themselves diabetes. And then they use insulin, you know, it's like, you know, you're going through these, you know, these bouts of, you know, kind of like physiological, super physiological bouts of anything, you know, and it lends itself to understanding these things at a level because you're probably going to need, them. you can't just prep and compete and be a bodybuilder and, and, and not be aware of the fact that these things come with their costs. Do you know that kind of way? And, and those costs often need to be learned about and those costs often need to be understood because, you know, it's, it's just the reality situation that we live in. It's rather the industry that we're in and, you know, the expansive knowledge that is now available to you is just absolutely outrageous. This is, these are the kind of things that people just didn't talk about a couple of years ago, but now there's, there's such an expansive awareness around these things now that we can, you know, we can put these things in play we can look um, outside of the box so far as kind of what options are available to us. And, and the, there's no doubt in my mind that it's, it's very much worth mentioning Joe's name here. Um, so like Joe has pretty much set the tone for understanding these things beyond the scope of just the prep and just your kind of, you know, your, your kind of your bodybuilder-esque meathead life. You know, he's very much paved the way for an expansive line of thought here and massive shout out to Joe. I wouldn't be able to teach things I'm teaching on Sunday without Joe's help. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's worth putting out there because, you know, there's, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking, taking the taking the respect that you deserve for someone and putting it out there because he is, uh, he's an incredible, incredible guy and he's, he's changed the industry and the thought process that people have now. Um, so very, 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 very lucky to have access to Joe. And he's like a perfect example of somebody who's paving the way for thought process around these things, do you know? Yeah, and just like his ability to put that information out there and lead people to ask questions and don't just take your coach's word for it because <clears throat> they have been prepping people for X amount of years. Right. Ask the why, ask the how, and actually question what they're doing and why they're doing it because a lot of coaches deploy these things without the know-how and the mechanisms behind it and they just did it because it worked for xyz so therefore it worked for you um, but there's not much more thought to it than that and that's the thing we really need to start challenging um, yeah. because we are dealing with our health our bodies our long-term like longevity in the sport or, and in life in general and we need to take that seriously like it is a big commitment and a big decision to step into the bodybuilding realm and the enhanced bodybuilding realm um and you need to be aware of all the risks and all of the things that could potentially go wrong um, and you need to accept them so you need to be informed and it's really amazing that these kind of platforms are coming out now where people are able to 
educate themselves and inform themselves because not every person who is into bodybuilding is able to go on to PubMed and research for themselves and deduce their own conclusions from these papers. Like people are not yeah. designed to do that. Like I've been through a science degree, so I'm lucky enough that I, I've learned how to do that, but like a lot of people haven't. Um, so they need kind of reliable and accessible information that can provide them with that stuff. Even to bring back to the whole research thing, I would have like, I, I don't come from the most educated back. I could have found education late in life um, after, after wasting, a couple, wasting a couple of years acting the bollocks, perfectly honest with you. And I think that, you know, for me, I found such a, such a relief in the fact that like for the first couple of years, I was like, okay, I want to look at my education. I want to set myself at a higher standard as a coach. And I would lean towards research papers. I was like, I have no fucking idea how to read this thing. Um, and I was very, very lucky, you know, the expansive information that we have now. I was like, oh, he's read it. Just teach me, you know, and by going and learning from people like Joe, Victor Black, from Callum, from like Dean, all these people who like are going to have, going to set the standard to a certain extent so far as kind of forward thinking around these things. It gave me the opportunity to then return back to research and have more of a kind of, um, you know, a foundational awareness that I can then expand on. So, you know, by going and learning from other people, I was able to kind of relay it back and then kind of expand my own learning, you know, that kind of way. So like, I've never actually done any direct consult with Joe, for example, around thyroid. I just knew what to look for based off how he speaks about things, you know, and people who he spoke to before, the things that he spoke to me about kind of where to lean towards and what to understand so far as kind of getting a better conceptual understanding or something, you know, so like just by kind of leaning towards their message, you can then kind of pay their own way. And it's a really, really special thing. You know, I'm uh, eternally grateful for to Joe hundred percent. I've texted him before and I told him about how much, like what we've done has helped so much, you know, that kind of way. And it's a, uh, it's something I do. I think about quite a lot. You know, got a couple of the physique collective boys coming now on Sunday. Um, yeah. I make sure they, I make sure they know about it as well. You know, because it's uh, it's something that's really, really helped me, and I, like to a certain extent, has helped me kind of move forward. So, massive, massive props to Joe and his thought process a thousand percent. You know. Yeah, it's funny because I think in the industry there's often like quite a bit of rivalry between different yeah. teams and groups, but you have to realize that really all of us collaborate together to create kind of a synergy. Um of information because we all have our own skills we all have our own talents and why not use them for the better and to contribute to each other's development and progression i think that will rival rivalry is just ignorance with a mask on you know that's 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 really what rivalry is people just like to go against other people because they're ignorant to what they have to say um you know like it's it's an unfortunate thing because like i think over time you're going to see less of that because more and more people are going to be influenced by the likes of me but like joe but like callum but like you you know all these people are going to be influenced by you know arguably better sources of information you know um because yeah i think a lot of the time the and it's it's really i try to not look at you know people who are doing things differently to the way i'm doing them as like a negative thing it's it's what they know and as far as they're concerned they're doing no harm you know it's, it's just it's the basis of understanding that they have and it's what they've done. And I think if you're doing something for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and then you're told there's actually a better way of doing things, you're going to be like, fuck you, um, you know, that kind of way. And it is, it's, 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 it's an ignorance thing and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So I think that, you know, it is, it's kind of important to make sure that that's put out there. That it's not like, oh, these people are terrible people. It's, this is what they've done. This is what they know, but this is arguably a better way to think about these things, you know? And I think that kind of helps to, you know, kind of break down the wall or the barrier between those, those elements and, you know, kind of have a more, uh, more can do some conversation about what can change in the industry and kind of what can be shifted. Yeah. And it's like what I was saying to you um, the other day when Luke Miller was on the podcast and he was talking, he's very much comes from a pre-script background in terms of training, whereas I come from an RTS background. And what he was saying was so new to me that I just went to you, I was like, I need to learn this stuff because yeah. it, was, it was in a lot of ways, different opinions to what I had learned, but all I wanted yeah. to do was learn about it. And I was like, I need to exactly. know all of this because I I just need to learn more and like 
it's it's just so amazing that we can learn off different people and everyone has different opinions and comes from different research backgrounds but like use that to your advantage instead of blaming people um, so I, I, my favorite thing to do is when you speak to somebody who has a different line of thought that you do and then you find something that marries together you're like hey you know that there's something that we can agree on you know it's like i speak i speak to you an awful lot obviously this is about training well i speak to you an awful lot about training and about why i get so upset that people are arguing so much about training when if you just had a deeper conversation about why these things work everyone would be like ah we're all kind of saying the same thing um and it's, it's the same it's the same with everything now obviously you're not going to be able to speak this thing as complex as physiology which, which kind of has a way that it works it's not really changeable unless they discover something miraculous um you know but at least we can kind of break things down and i i, I always find it cool how you know you can speak to old, older school coaches if you will and you know they might go about a certain process or a certain protocol and then you know something that's so old and potentially quote unquote dated you then look into and you find a kind of basis as to why that might be a reputable thing to do I always find that really, really cool. You know, yeah. when you're like, ah, they did that, not really knowing why they did it or not really knowing why it worked. And then here's the rationale as to why it's working the way it is. Um, I always find that really, really cool. It's always something I've found um, a lot of kind of comfort in. It's always a deadly. Yeah. Anyway, we probably move this back to the thyroid thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I knew it was going to happen. It's probably worth going through kind of how the thyroid operates. Yeah, let's um, do that. So, like I said, the thyroid operates via a kind of complex system of communication. And it's essentially how external input, which is essentially going to be coming from the central nervous system. So that's going to be any external influence, like largely it's going to be stress or whatever. Like it's going to whatever way you want to put it, influence on the central nervous system. And that communicates with something in a region of the brain called the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is kind of like an overarching endocrine kind of safe house. It's where kind of things happen relative to the endocrine system. Another thing, I don't say endocrine. I was literally going to say, you can tell you're, you've come from American background when yeah. you say, I say, I say, I say, I say endocrine. And I don't, I'm not sure where it came from. I'm not sure what it's sorry. I, I personally think it sounds better. Like I say endocrine. Yeah, it's like some people say, I, I say, I say endocrine as well sometimes say like endocrine and doctrine Paul pulled me up right. on before Paul Standal he pulled me up on it a few times because there's endocrine and exocrine so yeah exactly yeah so I put it in saying exocrine <laughs> no, no it's terrible anyway so hypothalamus is receiving input so any kind of community that input comes from kind of something a little bit further down but it's a cyclic kind of pattern for the most part so the hypothalamus produces something then called TRH which is thyrotropin releasing hormone okay so a lot of the things that can be confusing about these hormonal things is that often Oftentimes, the name of the hormone is actually telling you what's happening in the stage below it. It's not necessarily telling you what that hormone does or what that peptide does or tripeptide. They're all different kind of names. So thyroid releasing, the thyroid releasing hormone has what's called a stimulatory or an excitatory effect on the pituitary gland, more kind of specifically and accurately, the anterior pituitary gland, okay? And then from the pituitary portal, what then gets released is something called TSH. Now, this is where we start to look at markers on blood work. Generally, this is the first thing that you'll see on blood work is TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. So that's telling you that that is stimulatory of the hormone down below. It's called a thyrotropin. So from there, it makes its way down to the actual thyroid gland. And the thyroid gland is in and around here, kind of around your trachea area. It looks a little bit like an accordion. I always think it looks a little bit like an accordion. It's easy to see then. And then from there, that then releases what's called T4 and T3. So T4 is called triodothyronine, and then T4 is called tetriodothyronine or levothyroxine or thyroxine. They have different names. Normally, you're going to see T4 on a blood test down as thyroxine, and you're going to see T3 on a blood test down as T3. It's never actually used. I'm not sure why they only use the names, but that's the rationale behind it. And from there, those guys are then released into the bloodstream for active metabolism. Now, T4 is the non-active version of thyroid hormone. It doesn't have any kind of actions so far as metabolism is concerned. T3, however, is your 
your active form of thyroid hormone. Now, it, this gets a little bit complicated, but there is another hormone called reverse T3, which essentially is another form of an active thyroid hormone. It's not necessarily reversal, which kind of precedes the name, but it is a non-active version of thyroid hormone. It doesn't really do anything. And there's loads of rationales as to why T4 might be converted into reverse T3 and then back, but we won't go into that just yet. I want to just focus on the core concepts around thyroid hormone. About 80% of thyroid hormone releases is T4. Now, you read it somewhere, some people will say 90, some will say 85. It's about 80%, somewhere around that. And about 20% then is T4. So, or 20% is T3, excuse me. Then from there, it's released into the bloodstream for active metabolism, T3. T4 then can sometimes be converted to T3 because that's really what we're relying on is that conversion process. And that happens in the liver, the kidneys, and kind of other peripheral tissues. And then that's then released for the regulation of kind of normal homeostatic metabolism, okay? Now, the way that the neuroendocrine systems work, or particularly the thyroid hormone system work, which is called the HBT axis. No, they're all called axis of some degree, kind of a, kind of a visual representation or kind of an understanding of the name as an axis. So there's the, you know, there's the thyroid axis, the pituitary axis, there's a the hormonal axis, depending on what you want to work to. So it works on something called a feedback loop, either a positive or a negative feedback loop. So what that basically means is that when your body has, for example, let's say it has too little of a thyroid hormone, let's say there's not enough thyroid hormone circulating in the body and your body recognizes that for normal active metabolism. What will happen is, is that that will be sent back to the pituitary and the hypothalamus where there are T3 receptors and T4 receptors. And then that will then regulate the downstream flow of the other hormones. So for example, if you are not producing enough T3, T4, then your body will then produce more TRH and more TSH as they're going to be the kind of landmark communicatory hormones then lead to further secretions of the bottom hormone. So it's understanding then that these hormones, when we read them on a blood test or when we want to understand, okay, what is the kind of mechanistic value of that number? That gives us the understanding that we need to go through in terms of what the fuck is going on when we read a blood test. That communication basis and understanding that communication basis and understanding what one level means comparatively to another level is going to give you an idea of kind of what's going on. You know, you might see, you know, low thyroid scores across the board, low TSH, low T3, low T4. That may mean something different to when you see high TSH, low T3, low T4. What's going on there? And a lot of the time we can kind of segue into different ideas based off what those numbers mean, what the pattern of those numbers mean. If we're seeing low t3 low t4 and then high tsh we can be pretty damn sure that the thyroid is stimulating as much as it can or at least tsh is being stimulated to the degree that it needs to to then produce t3 t4 but it's not being produced so we have to ask okay, why is that happening is it something to do with the conversion process so the, again in a really really simple sense they're going to the individual unit of the thyroid is called the follicular cell um again not to be confused with the, like the follicular of the kind of the ovarian system but it's called the follicular cells and the center of that cell is called the colloid so the, it's the conversion of basically what's something called thyroglobulin and iodide, which creates T3, T4. They're the building blocks of the thyroid hormones. Now, iodide has to be oxidized into what we know as iodine, um, or the opposite way around. And then that then produces the active form of T3, T4. That's kind of how those things work. Um, so it's that process that may be skewed. And that's normally going to be reflective of maybe some immunological issues because again, it's blood, it's blood bound. So... It's, it's vitally important that we understand that process to then better understand what is going on with our clients. Because I could sit there and like, if I have no idea what I'm looking at, I'm look at a, a thyroid test, I'm like, yeah, they're thyroid hormones, I'm going to slap it down. I haven't actually done anything. So it's, it's really important not to look at these tests and just not really understand what it is that you're dealing with. And it's going to be understanding that communication basis of TSH, TRH, you know, T3, T4, that feedback loop to some degree or working with somebody who does understand it to a degree which is going to allow you to make accurate representative decisions 
because you then have to look at those scores you have to look at those relays and then ask yourself, okay, at what point is this person in? Like if somebody's at the depths of a show and they do a T and they do and they do a thyroid test and they're not using exogenous thyroid, thyroid's gonna be that regulated. It's gonna be inevitability. You might see high TSH, you might see T3, T4 higher, apparently lower, and you know, you can be pretty damn sure that there's something going on there. So this is kind of where the basis of thyroid physiology comes into things is understanding that communication process so you know if you're looking at okay what do i do in the situation where you know i just have hypothyroid it's just super super low there doesn't seem to be any reason to why i point it you, you can take steps you can go and you know you can use things like you know building blocks for example of thyroid so you can actually take things like iodine for example like that which would be kind of a building block of the thyroid and that would be based off the you know the percent the kind of the guess i suppose the assumption that potentially it's that process of thyroglobulin and iodine that's not working that's not allowing your body to process and create those thyroid hormones at the back of it but a lot of the time what ends up having to happen in the kind of space that we're in is that we can we can make the assumption based off you know anecdotal evidence based on what we know happens within thyroid physiology within these low bouts sorry these bouts of low energy availability for chronic amounts of time we can be pretty sure that some kind of medical input is going to be necessary in nearly, I'd say, 85% of the cases that I deal with, a singular deployment of T4 thyroidal monotherapy works to tick the boxes the majority of people need. It seems to be the kind of efficacious, you know, transfer, if you will, or conversion, whatever word we want to use, of T4 to T3, that seems to be the problem for the most part of people after bouts of low energy availability. And oftentimes just correcting the volume of T4 regulates the volume of t3 to a certain extent and it allows for either a normalcy to be kind of created or it allows for at least a, potentially in some cases to then push up to that kind of higher superphysical level if you need it to be sometimes when i'm looking at um utilizing thyroid hormones for the basis of lipolytic action or for the basis of fat loss i will actually just deploy t4 first and i'm going to just see what happens because the the assumption that you would make in your head is that x amount of t4 will regulate itself into x amount of t of t3 so you can kind of be pretty sure that if you're dealing with, you know, a lower level of T4 or X level of T4, and then you pop in, you know, 100 micrograms of T4 a day, you know, and you know that the blood value that you got previously will be reflective of a lower level of T4 or lower level, pardon me, 100 micrograms of T4, you can be pretty sure you're going to see an upregulation of T3. So it's almost like utilizing it in stages, but the kind of, again, the overarching message there is understanding what it is that you're looking at and then kind of going from there. No, no doubt. I definitely made some boo-boos a lot. There's so much shit going on. That I, I definitely said I definitely treat TRH, which was a TSH. But again, like I said, the overarching understanding is there. And it's something that we need to understand. And it's something that we need to relay back either to our coach or to ourselves as coaches. You know, just from speaking to me, you could tell it's a pretty complex process. Yeah. Um, but I've always found that when it came to learning anything within the endocrine systems is that it always seems more complex than it actually is. Because a lot of the time, like I said, when you read up on these things, the answer to what happens next is kind of given to you based off the name of the hormone. And a lot of the things that happen within the neuroendocrine system, they're all happening in the same place. You know, they're all hyper, hypothalamus, pituitary, they're all kind of happening around the same area. And the kind of the pulsatile signals that we tend to see within the ovarian systems and, you know, a lot of the, the, kind of the factors that we tend to deal with and a lot of the things that we tend to see, they're quite similar you know, in terms of their actions and in terms of the response to one thing and those kind of negative pathways and those positive feedback loops and negative feedback loops, they all tend to kind of relay themselves into each element of those kind of HPT axis. The hypothalamic two or three thyroid axis tends to be something that like has, um, you know, kind of similar networks across every axis. So it, it becomes easier to understand when you understand one in depth, it can be a little bit easier to understand the next one. It's almost like learning languages that kind of all come from Latin. 
it's, it's it, you know you kind of have a basis of learning each one when you learn the next one and you know i would have started off in kind of the ovarian physiology initially and then kind of segue into thyroid physiology down and i was like ah this is kind of the same you know there's, there's a lot of similarities that have made it a lot easier to learn you know and if you're not somebody who wants to learn it to this degree then you know you can move towards somebody who is able to learn it to that degree you know like most coaches and most athletes don't need to know it to the extent that i'm going to go into it in but you know by understanding it at that level you will never really understand it at that level do you know that kind of way if you understand the basis of how these things work at least then you can take that with you either into your coaching practice or at least into your practice as an athlete and have a far more informed decision on kind of what you can do next you know rather than kind of going in blind and just saying t3 t4 fat loss give me all of it you know that kind of way because you know there's going to be implications there as well you know like if you if anyone's ever taken t3 or t4 you'll you'll notice like almost an immediate increase in heart rate um you know it happens quite quickly so that's something you need to understand and kind of get a basis for because anyone takes it like oh i'm gonna die i'm about to die i'm about to die you know <laughs> because but in reality it's it's simply you know it's probably the combination of your own um endogenous input and exogenous input and that will regulate itself in time and you know kind of being able to be informed to some degree is really really important you know that kind of way so that's kind of where i stand on the whole thing but as you said like if you take some time to further knowledge in just biology a lot of the biological processes follow a similar pattern. Like, as you said, like everything involved, usually involves some sort of pathway, usually involves an enzyme or a catalyst, usually involves receptors, agonists, antagonists. So although the molecules might be different or be named differently, the, the processes are all quite similar and the mechanisms are, you know, they follow a similar theme. So you can kind of apply your knowledge of one into the other and it makes the next one easier. And then the next one and the next one, it's kind of like a domino effect after that. Yeah, exactly. um, it's kind of like it's only, it's almost like a drag and drop kind of situation in a kind of way, but obviously it's going to be different. Like almost, it's almost like the the, kind of the mechanistic framework is quite similar across neuroendocrine systems, but what tends to change is kind of what's actually acting upon that system and then the effect that that system has physiologically. But a lot of time, understanding the mechanisms behind it, are, there is a there is a relative similarity there. Yeah, and you'll yeah. recognize molecules. You'll be like, oh, this guy, I saw him in the last pathway. Yeah. So like, they're not like isolated pathways. They don't all exist in vacuums. Yeah. Like they are all connected. And if you saw like exactly. the big like the major like full pathway of like the human body it would just be like mind-blowing like it's all connected like we do look at things in isolation for ease um but really everything is kind of connected in in a a very basic sense it's all kind of blood-bound action it's all kind of happening in blood and kind of like you know blood passing through different areas and stuff that's really kind of what's going on and blood's passing into permeable cells and you know a lot it's all happening at the same time you know like they're all they're all going to meet each other on the way you know and that's kind of how it all works that's why there's there is influence of one pathway and onto the other. You know, if you see down regulatory, so for example, because we're speaking about the hypothalamus, for example, the hypothalamus is going to be massively affected by things like stress, low energy availability. It's going to be the predominant thing. Because like we said beforehand, it's external input that influences everything that happens as it moves its way down. So, you know, the same kind of um, uh, external influence that may cause, you know, things like a hypothalamic amenorrhea, be it acute or chronic, they're oftentimes going to be the exact same things that cause, you know, acute levels of hypothyroidism you know, within physique athletes, the same things are often regulating the same things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you kind of fix one, you can oftentimes see fixtures of the other. And, you know, things that you'll often see a lot of the time is like, you know, the alleviation of stress within one system often affects the kind of the ability to kind of re-kick in the next. So for example, you know, I, I won't name names again, but someone very close to me, for example, had issues post-show with the thyroid. And, you know, once we were able to correct the thyroid issue it was very, very soon after that, we had the menstrual cycle start again. It wasn't that long afterwards. And now, am I saying there was a direct influence? No, I'm not. But I'm saying that the, the elevation of one or the cessation of one being on a high level of stress 
almost allowed that kind of, you know, that manageability, that kind of crossover effect for the other one to kind of regulate itself, be that just from the management of stress of knowing that you just got that thing sorted or from the other kind of complex stress physiology that's going on. You know, <clears throat> the funny thing about stress physiology is you can kind of just say anything and it's kind of true. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the interesting thing. Like stress physiology causes this. It's kind of true if you think about it long enough. You know, so this is why these things are so kind of, they're, they're almost they're, their own thing, but at the same time, they're so closely linked. You know, like we said, like learning them and also understanding them, they all kind of fall within that kind of same train track. And it's it's something that like when you when you dig into, you'll start to see all the similarities. And I love that. That's one of the things that kept me going back to the neuroendocrine system all the time is that I would see something I recognize. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now this makes more sense by learning about one thing that happens within one system where maybe the maybe the mechanism is a lot more clear within this system. It made me understand a similar mechanism in the previous one. You know, so I was able to kind of start digging in and kind of understanding these things a little bit more. And, you know, like not like some of these things are just kind of happening by themselves. You know, there's a lot of things kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. And I, yeah, it is quite rewarding. Like the more you kind of invest in learning about things, the more things just click into place and you just become more informed about the human body in general. It's, 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 fun, it's fun to kind of find a subject that you're really interested in, you know, so obviously people will know, you know, for a long time I was like, mechanics, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was like dipping into everything, anatomy, I was like, a, a, I still have a, turned your back on the world. <laughs> you know, I, I still have a fond appreciation for them, that's what I would say, and I think like, to a certain, I'm not going to say I've learned everything, but it's I've kind of learned what I feel as though I need to apply with at this time, and now I need to move into the things that are kind of the gaps in terms of the coach style, I know I kind of know what coach I want to be. And now I'm leaning towards the gaps that I need to know in order to be that coach and kind of fulfill that role. You know, that kind of way, this is kind of where I am now. And that's kind of what guides my learning process now um, is kind of knowing where I want to go with it. You know, I don't want to be the mechanics guy. If I have a question about mechanics, I'll just ask Paul. Um, you know, in fact, if I have a question about anything, I'll probably just ask yeah. Paul. Um, <laughs> I, I have somewhere to go for every yeah. question. Like, I'm not trying to be the educator. Um, you know, I'm not trying to fill that role. I think Joe fills that role exceptionally well. Um, for me, I'm just trying to be the best coach like I possibly can be. And for me, it's not really about trying to, you know, be the person who teaches everyone else. It's more so just, I suppose, trying to lead by example to a certain extent to make sure I can serve the people who are in front of. And if that allows me to then teach people off the back of that, then fantastic. Then I'll be the educator all I can be, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so Jesus. say a new client comes to you and they do kind of exhibit certain symptoms of hyper, hypothyroid. Yeah. Would you initially say, okay, right, let's get blood work? And yeah, then- so like, I, I, I have to admit, I haven't always got people to get. Sometimes it's just it's 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 just plainly obvious that that's the problem. And I'm not saying that there's someone might look at that and go, you can't do that without investigating. But I think anyone who has been in the coaching realm long enough will know that if you get, you know, for example, female, you know, fucking let's say female bikini, you know, uh, natty up till that point and maybe does like six fucking has done six or seven preps across the past three years, you can be like. If you start exhibiting symptoms of hypothyroidism, you probably have hypothyroidism. You probably have a down-regulatory process of that thyroid. Now, I'm still going to investigate it. I'm going to say, here, let's get a blood test as soon as we possibly can. But if we're going to be moving into competitive bodybuilding again, if we're going to be moving into competitive-based physique athlete again, then I'm going to probably deploy monotherapy anyway. You know, and that's probably something that I'm going to do. And like I said, it's not a rule of thumb. I don't just apply it for everyone. I really don't do that. But if somebody exhibits the symptomologies or somebody is like plain and simple looking at me, I can tell that they need it. I'm going to get them to use it. Um, because in any case, you know, if you're willing to move down that kind of, you know, that kind of um, hormonal therapy route, kind of in the earlier stages, 
you know, it, it does help. It does help to manage things in that kind of way. But again, if somebody isn't exhibiting direct symptomologies, maybe they're having some, you know, maybe they're just having an inability to lose weight or maybe kind of body fat just isn't really coming off the same way you would expect it to. And they have maybe some of those experiences, but not as many of the symptomologies, then I'm going to turn around and go, hey, let's get a blood test. Let's relay it back and see where we're at. And, you know, in some instances, I'm not necessarily looking for the red. You know, maybe I'm looking for, like, just like for example, like you could be 0.01 into the green. You know, and and yeah, and a singular score down, you're gonna be moving into the red. So, like again, like it's also understanding, okay, as a coach, how do I break down blood blood results? So it, it's it's a cool thing to understand as well that when you look at a lab, for example, when you look at the results in the lab, I believe that the higher end is based off the 95th percentile, the lower end is based off the fifth percentile. So of that lab in particular. So it's not necessarily a universal marker of every single lab. So you may have one lab where you're hypothyroid, but then you might have one lab where you're kind of in a normal thyroid range. I, I, I don't want to know a lab where you're hypo in one and hyper in the other. <clears throat> if that's the case, close the fucking lab down. <laughs> um, but in general, you know, it's, it's important to be able to kind of sit back and say to yourself, okay, is this an option for me? So I, I had a girl quite recently come to me about some bloods. And I think she felt like kind of two or three points into like normal thyroidal range but like we also have to understand you know even like whether you're fed or fasted is going to dictate thyroidal help or scores and i was just kind of like okay you know every piece of evidence is here for me to suggest that she probably needs this so i put it in anyway i took the executive decision to say okay let's go in a t4 um at 100 micrograms a day split am and the first thing you wake up and then kind of in the middle after the afternoon I pop that in there as well and again her symptomology massively improved we reset their bloods and everything went back to normal again so they're the kind of things that we need to look at as coaches, and they're the kind of things that the processes that we need to think about. Mm. And just going and maybe getting 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 an athlete going, okay. And similar to maybe maybe we might employ supplements. You don't just say here's T4. You know you have to look at these things objectively, and you have to be able to say to yourself, okay, is this an option? And be that kind of true blood based evidence or symptomology evidence. And you can you just track back and ask yourself, okay, is this something that I'm going to need? There is some degree of investigation needed, but sometimes it's it's just so plainly in your face that's the move that you make. Mm. Yeah. And then, so that, that's kind of the issue is like, some, say someone comes to you and they exhibit like hypothyroid symptoms or you, you've seen that they do actually have like low thyroid hormones. Um, if they're looking to kind of invest in a time repairing it, then you need to sit down and say to them, no prepping, no dieting. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes like if you really want to correct the thyroid axis, like as efficiently, as quickly as you can, a lot of the time the answer is like, okay, no training you know, gain loads of weight, you know, and it's like, you're kind of trying to get that person to the threshold of where those things are going to kick back in again, you know, and it's like, again, it also takes a massive understanding as to where that's come from as well. Like, obviously, if you're somebody who's maybe coming from that competitive space, you know, then yeah, you're probably going to have to move into that kind of like lower training volume and if not zero training volume for a while, you know, and if they're a person who has either already said to themselves, okay, I'm willing to move into the assisted realm or, you know, I've already been in the assisted realm, I'm no longer a natural athlete, I do often have conversations with them. I'm like, okay, we can move down this route of trying to manage it, you know, so, like via supplement means, you know, that kind of way and go through kind of having different kind of, you know, people, puzzle pieces of the thyroid, for example. We can go and we can supplement those things like iodine or an example, you know, or we could say, right, listen, this is the situation that we find ourselves in. We know that you are dealing with symptomology of hypothyroidism and we know that you're going to move into this realm again and you want to move into this realm as efficiently and ideally as quickly as possible. One of the options that we have to correct this, you know, without question is to simply just deploy HRT within this realm. You are going to be dealing with zero health complications. Again, medically prescribed HRT shows no signs of ill health. And we're going to get this sort of, we can essentially move on to the next phase of pretty much a level of immediacy. 
a lot of the time when you sit down and have that conversation with them and you have that mechanistic understanding as to why you're doing it, they will just say, yeah, absolutely, let's go that way. You know, because again, that comes from a level of understanding where you can relay it to them in a contextual, straight up, honest way. Because a lot of times you don't have that information and you're just, you're just kind of trying to, you know, kind of, okay, let's go with this. It's very, very difficult to build that level of trust with that person because you're basically saying, take this drug long term. You know that kind of way. But if you can kind of get them to understand as to why that's a good rationale for them, a lot of the time they'll sit down and they'll say, you know what, I'm willing to go down there. You know, and if you are in your heart of hearts confident in your ability to converse about those things, and again, about the kind of health risks of that thing being so minimal that you say that they are, then there should be no real reason they should look at you and say, okay, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of the scaremongering about thyroid replacement is people saying that thyroid could be like a catabolic hormone. Yeah. Um, obviously that when in a dieting phase, that's something you need to be cautious of as well to have the right dose for you. 100%. Like the only thing is if you're taking replacement doses, you're not going to be catabolic because you're essentially moving towards a place where you're regulating your metabolism. That's really what you're trying to do. You're not like, obviously you're giving yourself thyroid hormone. What you're doing is you're trying to regulate your metabolism into a level of normalcy. You know, you're not trying to upregulate your metabolism at this point in time, not with monotherapies. What you're trying to really, really do is you're trying to regulate it and kind of create a level of normalcy across that physiological network. You know, and when you explain to someone that this is something that we can do to make that happen, you know, you're already assisted, you're already going on that route, your goal is a pro carb, whatever way it's going to be. Something that kind of, you know, pay, paints a very clear picture of I'm an assisted athlete. We can do that. We can just take that account and we can just take that measure. Now, of course, we can continue to use, you know, like positive supplemental regimes as well that again support that to create a more efficient process in that. But for the most part, I do try to lend myself towards getting people to just move into that realm relatively early at times. Um, you know, um, aging female competitors as well and male competitors is often something I do lean towards as well. I have kind of uh, slightly older women who've come to me recently and I've kind of like they're they're gonna they're assisted females, but they're a little bit older. And I said, you know what, this is likely something you may move to into the future. You know, this can help us kind of manage the the impact of your previous preps, which again, if you're a slightly more aged female, probably makes it even more difficult again to regulate that in of itself. And we did it massive positive feedback straight away we've moved away from this kind of period where we thought we were going to have to manage things long term and we're into the next phase getting ready for prep at the end of the year you know so like these things can really really open up the floodgates and clear the runway for the rest of your year if you understand them you know and i think something that people don't realize is like when you talk about h or t it's hormonal yeah. replacement therapy so like same thing with trt like testosterone replacement therapy you're not going into supra physiological ranges you're staying within your normal range by definition and um, so if you come to a coach and you're on the lower end of normal or even below normal it's just putting you back in that normal range so you still should still be within that normal range when you do get tested once you have deployed that replacement yeah, um, exactly. And if by some of you you're not, or you're a hypermetabolizer or something like that, then you simply just reduce the dose. Hmm. You know, like and that, again, that alleviates any kind of stress in the body to a certain extent. You know, um, you know, a lot of the basis of you know just like female enhancement right now, at least the way it is, like the overarching message here is to utilize kind of like almost all over replacement therapies. You know, to kind of maximize the ability for a female to kind of regulate themselves across the year, because you know, truth be told, it is probably at least at least based on kind of the. the the common way that we do things in the industry or the common way that people do things, it's a lot more difficult for a female to manage their year, manage their, their, their kind of endocrine systems long-term than it is for a male. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, they have, they have less tools at their expo at their disposal. Um, you know, but if you kind of break it down in terms of, okay, I'm trying to, 
you know, regulate these processes or I'm trying to create a replacement level of these processes. They actually have more tools ready than they think they do, you know, and, you know, it can be, it can be miracle stuff a lot of time for people. You know, I've seen, I've, I've seen females particularly where we, we've used these things and we've had conversations about these things and, you know, it's, it's just, it's fixed things. Like, you know, it's made people feel better. It's made people realize that, you know, they, find themselves in positions where they didn't realize how depressed they were, you know, that kind of way, because that's a massive, massive thing that people don't realize, the link between low thyroidal output and symptomology is a low mood. You know, it's massive. And like, I've, like I've heard of people that I've, I've never dealt with this directly. I haven't dealt directly with people going and, you know, going and having, you know, a symptomology of low mood and depressive symptoms and then kind of being given antidepressants and then later on doing tests and realizing they were actually hyperthyroid, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, ah, okay, cool. Then we can make a fix again. Cause they're sitting there like I'm, I'm aging, I'm fat, I'm depressed, I'm sad. I can't seem to keep the weight off, you know, and then they get depressed and they're given things to manage, you know, a symptom of a condition. So one of the symptoms is managed, but the condition isn't. Now that's not me saying, okay, you know, fuck the medical system. I hate people who do that. It drives me mad. Yeah. Um, you know, people say doctors are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you sit behind your eye tech certification. Like, hey, your yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so sometimes it's it's just the way things are done within the industry. So you know, kind of way it's like, okay, you're presenting this problem, therefore this is the solution to that problem. That's just the way it is. But for the most part, these are things that we can look at and things that like, people have experienced firsthand. Like I said, it's not something I've ever dealt with, but it is things I've heard of. And I think the, the kind of the, the message of this conversation, which is not only to plug the seminar, but also to like create a little bit more awareness around these things, you know, mm-hmm. kind of way, and it's to allow people to understand that you know we have we have hormonal inputs and like kind of therapies available to us beyond androgens, you know, beyond sex hormones, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where my overarching message comes from, at least for this podcast, is that if you are a female or a male competitor who feels as though they may be going through this, go and get your bloods done. I will personally look at anyone who's listening to this bloods for free. No problem. Just give me a shout. I'll look at them and I'll tell you what the story is. I'm not going to go and just say take thyroid hormones to everyone, but just if you feel as though maybe you're having any of these issues or maybe it, you know, maybe it just sounds terrible. Maybe if you're working with a coach, maybe isn't as well armed for these things, which is perfectly cool. Like I know of people who are, you know, happy as Larry to say that, you know, I'm not armed to do these things. I'll just simply outsource. And you all have an external opinion. I'm always happy to help, um, you know, because I, I, I do think that this is something that when it's understood by the vast majority of the kind of competitive community, it will improve people's ability to move in and out of phases. It is going to improve people's ability to handle the post-show period, which I think out of every single part of the competitive process is not only the most difficult, but it's the one that paints the industry in the worst light. Yeah. It's the one that most people get the poor experience of. When, like, if you are willing to understand these things at a deeper level, you can be armed with the tools that you need to either go and use exogenous monotherapies or at least manage your own day and manage your own variables and manage your own kind of life, if you will, to get over that hump in a more efficient way, in a more informed way, you know, in a more positive way. And at the end of it all, a more successful way. Yeah. You know, that's really kind of what we're trying to do. And that's the overall message, message that I'm trying to put out, you know, that kind of way is that these things that, we, you know, they are drugs, you know, they, they are drugs at the end of the day. Um, they're also things that live within every single person alert and they're things that cause responses. And when you understand, okay, what negates those responses or what causes those responses to downregulate, we have a far, far, far more informed idea of what we can do to fix it. Yeah. Rather than being ignorant, if you're open-minded and you're willing to kind of invest some time and to learn about how these things operate, you can often get yourself in a really sticky, sticky situations. You know, a lot of sticky situations that a lot of competitors find themselves in post-show are physiologically based. You know, they are grounded in physiology somewhere. Sometimes you're just sad that you haven't got much structure and you haven't got much of a goal to work towards. But even that in itself 
in terms of its its severity and uh, how it externally highlights itself within your day. A lot of that is grounded in physiology that we have control over. We have healthy control over. Do you know, like I'll, I'm going to use some form of hormone therapy probably for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Do you know the kind of way? I'm fully invested in that. So a lot of people watching this. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're broken. You know, most individuals on this earth are going to move into some degree of replacement therapy as they get older. Female replacement therapy is massive when people hit menopause. And thyroidal monotherapies are absolutely huge when females get older. Not, not as popular for males. Um, I'm not sure why, again, it's just the way it is. But it is something that people need to look at, especially people in this community. Yeah. Because if you are somebody who has moved into that realm of being assisted or at least is aware of the implications as a natural athlete, you can make a better informed choice or you can kind of navigate your prep and your post-prep period in a way that's not going to lead you to the same issues that's like 60, 70, 80% of people fall into. Yeah. You know? And it also, if you're a coach, it arms you tools that you need to make sure that you're able to manage that post-prep period for your clients. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than having a successful prep and a really, really horrific post-prep with a client and not knowing what to do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and what ends up happening is you end up getting a standard of coaching that often lends itself that because that period is so hard, almost passively, subconsciously, a coach is like, I'm focused here. As soon as your prep is over, it's like, mm-hmm. go, go talk to somebody, you know, yeah. go speak to a counselor, go speak to a counselor, you know, mm-hmm. kind of way, deal with it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not as, you know, out there and as um, locked in as that, but it is something that people need to think about, you know, in a kind of way. And it is something that will elevate the standard of the industry if people know more about it. Yeah. And another thing I think people need to think about is the like natural status, because I think a yeah. lot of people hold a lot of emotional attachment to being a natural athlete and they almost see it as like a badge of honor. And yeah. a lot of people may feel that it is the healthier route to go down because you're not, you know, providing any kind of exogenous hormones or assistance to your body, but arguably smarter use of assistance could be better in terms of health and longevity than being fully natural and that's what you need to consider as well that just because you're natural it doesn't mean you're healthier and it doesn't mean you're a better athlete it's a bold statement to say but if you break it down enough you will find that a lot of it is based in truth yeah like you you can't do fucking like three and a half grams a week and then say you know <laughs> natty what an unhealthy oh, <laughs> yeah exactly you know and it's sitting there like with your like yogi hat on you know it's like, <laughs> you know just full of trend but it means like it, within the safer use model of practice you know the kind of way you can find yourself at least at periods of time yeah you know or probably in-, in a way be like using it to solve problems rather than showing the kitchen sink at you saying okay what issues am i finding and what can i use to improve these symptoms or or to resolve these issues kind of from that kind of problem solving it's almost like you know if you were almost like a natural athlete you maybe doing their last natural season you know as soon as that season is over an incredible option for you to lean in towards Mm -hmm. is probably the use of trt and hrt thyroid because they're going to be two things that are going to be fucked you know they're they're going to be absolutely down down the drain you know, and that like almost like your, your first exposure is so different to what you think your first exposure is going to be. And, you know, you could look at if there's any natural athletes who are thinking about maybe after this season moving to the assisted realm, something that you can think about, okay, how am I going to maximize that period of time after the show? But if you're moving into the assisted realm, then potentially as soon as you're finished that show, move into the use of, you know, HRT in whatever kind of axes you feel as though it's needed, maybe based off blood work, which is going to be down the tubes in most people's cases. And then you start moving in from there, almost like that becomes your first exposure. That's going to allow you to navigate the recovery period better. You know, it's going to allow you to manage that first initial block of training better, you know, rather than kind of waiting for all those things to fix itself. You know, it's just an example of like your dead right, like that kind of like natural status thing. And like, I, if you're a natty, 
cool, man. You know, just just I, I don't care, but like cool, you know, that kind of way. You don't need it doesn't need to be your identity, you know, that kind of way. Um just kind of a separate thing altogether. But in general, like, you know, it is oftentimes, like you say, I, I think that what you're saying there for the most part, I think I think it highlights that these things are backed in health in a in a space like you know, competitive assisted bodybuilding, where there is so much of an overarching idea of ill health and issues. There are strands of that and there are, you know, branches of that that are closely linked to managing your long-term health. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things. This is one of those things that's linked to managing your health long-term. And it's kind of like, you know, it's not like hormesis, you know, kind of way. Like you're using enough of something to create a positive response when, yeah, sometimes we use enough to create something a little bit negative, but we look good doing it. You know, that kind of way. It's, It's that kind of thing. And it's that kind of overarching idea that, you know, these things have a medical ground. Like and that's where we need to understand, and it's it's going to be in investigating that element of it that's going to open up the opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about how those things can apply to you as an athlete and actually improve your long term health. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than work against it, because sometimes it's like I'm using this thing; it must be bad. Take it out when no need. You know, yeah. it's like no, it's like okay, understand it and understand when you need more and when you need less, or understand when you need a certain amount of something and when you need to correct something. You know, because they have so many like fascinating, amazing tools that you can use, and there's, there's, there's so much cool things that these drugs do. You know, so many, many cool things that they do, and like being able to kind of have an external control of the internal environment is a very, very cool thing. Um, and yeah, okay, in some instances we abuse it as athletes, so you know we use the external environment and the internal input that we need. Sorry, pardon me. The external input and the internal environment to our advantage, so far as the aesthetics or the kind of competitive end of things. But we can also understand how we can use those things to almost fix the impacts that that's had. So, in a kind of way, the overarching message is the same: is that we have control over the internal via external. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very, very cool way to think about things. Yeah, and like my overall theme for this podcast from the beginning is knowledge is power. So, just to educate yourself and be aware of these things is going to propel you forward, whether you utilize them or you don't utilize them. But just being informed and educated is going to make a massive difference to your overall experience. Exactly, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. That's my one of my favorite phrases, and also a true master is an eternal student. That's my other favorite phrase. I've heard that one. I like that one. That is it. How I try to live. Um, So yeah, thank you very much, Ross. That was very interesting and very comprehensive. Absolutely welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So in terms of where people can find you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, Manchester, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> so that nah, most honestly, best place, best place to get in touch with me is probably Instagram, um, and it's at Ross underscore Team Pro Coach, um, which feels weird to say. It's the first time I've actually said that since. Uh, Great, isn't it? Yeah, my doors. Um, also, massive shout out to the boys, by the way. Um, I love the Muslim doors. You're my boys. Um, but yeah, it's Ross at Ross Team Pro Coach. Find me on Instagram. If anyone has any questions, I can understand that this can be complex. And like, like, admittedly, I was in a bit of a tizzy here. I probably even made it because the pathways are so. Complex. Like, even I probably made some mistakes here or there, trying to kind of way. But like I said, I can have a back and forth with anyone about these things, and we can go through things a little bit more clearly if you want to. If anyone wants to speak to me in a consult, that's absolutely fine. Just reach out to me via email, we can organize that as well. But in general, I think one thing I do want to say before we part ways is just don't go stuck in these situations. Don't be afraid to use people like myself, like you know, like Holly. If you have questions about these kind of things, please just reach out to me. I'm always more than happy to give free advice where I can. If anyone has blood tests that need to be read, just let me know. Um, I'm more than happy to kind of give my opinion and, you know, hopefully guide you on a process that's going to allow you to maybe move out of a negative space or understand what to do when you move into something like a prep or in the post-show period with a little bit more, like, a little bit, sorry, a little bit less anxiety about that period of time because there's nothing worse about not knowing what's going to happen. 
And I think if you can understand a little bit more about what you can expect, you understand a little bit more about what you can do to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can vouch, like if anyone ever wants to reach out to Ross, he is the most non-judgmental person in the world. If you have any issues or anything, he's your best person to confide in about that kind of stuff. So I would highly recommend if you do have any questions or anything like that. Um, But yeah, if you guys want to find me as well, I'm at Holly Davidge on Instagram. And if you tuned in and you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you took a screenshot, put it on your story, tag myself and Ross, let us know what you think. Really appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much it. Until next time, guys, thank you very much. And we'll see you soon. Peace and love, guys.